Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversation podcast. Today's guest is Julie Merica. Julie is the host of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Welcome to my podcast, Julie. Thank you for having me, Jono. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. First of all, tell us a bit a, a bit more about the podcast and just uh, generally about what you do. Um, I would love to. The Make Your Damn Bed podcast is basically just a morning motivation podcast, encouraging you to get out of bed and ideally start making it, but you really don't need to make your bed. That part is totally optional. Um, but the premise came from struggling to get out of my own bed during the pandemic and all of that stuff, especially working from home. And I wanted kind of a companion. And I came up with this concept to share some actionable tips and some psychology tips and some of the more fun self-help advice and general actionable things you can apply to your own life in bite-sized chunks. Because I feel like motivational content can either get a little hardcore and intense, or it can be a little cheesy and hokey. And I wanted something a little more in between, like the real talk vibes of a big sister, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> yes. So I kind of created this with that that whim, but it's more of a short form, five minutes, 10 minutes tops. And I do some longer episodes too, when listeners and things ask for certain advice on things that do need just a little bit more time, but typically they're really bite-sized and they're daily. So you can kind of do them on your commute or while you're flossing your teeth or whatever you want to do. <laughs> I love it. I love the big sister vibe too. My um, uh, my wife Liz and I we both come from families with an older sister each, and you just got to love an older sister. That's awesome. I always wanted an older sister, so I think I became her for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to admit, my older sister Rachel uh, is. I always say to people because people who know my sister are like, "Wow, she really is um, like just the kindest." person and I always say you know what she's actually was actually like that growing up with me as her little brother which is quite remarkable um so <laughs> I have an incredible older sister yes she's very very special uh well I'm excited to find out about your story what's the age so, gap there uh two years I'm sorry so I just need to know oh okay yeah, she's two years older <laughs> so yeah she's a wonderful older sister uh, so to start off, let's look back at um, your childhood, you know, growing up, what are the moments from that season of your life or even themes that come to mind that really shaped you to become the person that you are today? Well, I had an older brother, speaking of older siblings, and he was much older than me. He was um, four and a half to five years older than me and genuinely just trying to be involved in the big bro things, I feel like started me strong. I've always had kind of a strong personality. I kind of came out of the womb making jokes and cracking wise, but uh, just being part of kind of a loud family and needing to 
make my own way, <laughs> get my own attention was part of it. But I really think <laughs> it comes from wanting to be, I was just always kind of a social bird and really intrigued in socializing and friends and humans and what makes people tick. And I find myself to be really enthusiastic about just about anything, but mostly human things. Like I really just love watching people get passionate about things that I truly don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like, you really like, oops, sorry, my dog's in the background. Um, That's okay. You truly don't. Okay. I hear her tapping around. I'm like, oh no, sorry. I can wait one second. My bad. I'm not used to these tile floors. I'm at, I'm a guest at someone's home right now. Excuse me. Anyway. Um, That's all right. <laughs> okay. Perfect. But yeah, I, uh, forgot where I was at too. I don't even remember. Big brother started quite bold, loud family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about it. Um, but yeah, I found myself wanting to do more entertaining and I fear her so bad. I need to go lock her away. I'm sorry. No, that's right. That's right. right I think we'll, she's um, settled. She's settled. <laughs> okay. Keep cool. it real. Sorry about that. She's an old lady. And she's got things going on, you know, we've got to keep tapping. Um, but yeah, I've just always had kind of a big personality. And I really do find myself interested in what makes other people tick. And I find myself really getting excited for people who get excited, even if it's things I don't really understand. And from there, I always wanted to be just involved in people's passions and the things that struck me as an opportunity, especially in a world dedicated to finding a job and capitalism, I was like, what could help me nurture that in people? And I was like, well, I could become a therapist or I could become a teacher or I could become a comedian. <laughs> All three things I have always loved. And so I kind of just pursued those things through my own little pursuits you know how you get like lost in watching new videos mm -hmm. or consuming content with whatever passions you may find yourself getting lost in and it really was just all psychology stuff and all social psychology things and a lot of how to educate and it just I naturally veered that way so when I became a real school teacher and graduated college and that sort of thing it just kind of made sense for me but it was yeah. also not something I wanted to necessarily do explicitly so it didn't really make sense at the same time I was like I don't necessarily want to be like an elementary school teacher but I really do love education so I know this isn't a waste of my time but I don't know what I want to do with it so it was a little tentative and probably a little slippery at first but you know how life is where you start learning a whole bunch of random things and you're like what am I doing with it and then suddenly it all clicks together hopefully at some point that's kind of the expectation I went into mine with and luckily it did kind of work out that way. Yeah, no, I love hearing people's stories. One thing that I've found from this podcast is that everyone's everyone's story that they share, it's never linear, you know, like it's, which is why I appreciate mm -hmm. what you shared. You're like, I knew I kind of wanted to do this and then I went and did it. And I'm like, well, I don't, but this isn't really what I want to do. But <laughs> I think that's the, um, mm -hmm. I think that's the idea. That's the, that's sort of how we get to uh, get to where we are. So where did you go? So when you started doing those things, um, 
I'm interested to know when I chat with someone who has such a great podcast like like you do, I know there are a lot of leaders who are very uh, skeptical. They've been burned by marketing and content creation, spent Mm -hmm. a lot of money, not gotten a lot of results for a lot of people in all sizes of companies. And I love chatting with people who are actually cutting through. So that's, that's a question Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to leaders out there, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're leading big companies with marketing managers, what have you learned about how to, uh, well, let me make it a bit general, how to communicate, like why has your podcast gone so well and and what have you learned from creating it? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I think it's one I feel really oddly qualified to answer because I've always been kind of a frugal loophole person where I'm like, how can I do this and make it work for me and the means that I have access to, which I've never really had access to a lot. I've always been kind of the rich one in my family just by being a minimum wage employee. You know what I mean? So I think you find ways to just make your own work. And to me, it's it was never an option to work on something I didn't feel incredibly passionate or enthusiastic about. So I wanted something that I could feel that way for a long time. So I searched for longevity by finding my passions first. And then once I did that, I created my own work. But third, it's persistence. It really is just showing up every day, even on the days you don't want to show up. It's like the gains at the gym. You know, if you show up once at the gym, even if you work out for nine hours, you're not going to see results. But if you show up over the next three weeks for that same exact nine hours, but like 15 minutes a day here and there, you will slowly see results. So low and slow is probably my best advice for anyone wanting to create their own work just to see one, is it sustainable for me? And is it something I actually want to do with my time and invest my effort and energy in? And two, showing up even when you're sore or you don't feel like it, or it's not the most (laughs) fun because Unfortunately, that's work. And even if you're working in your passions, I don't I don't buy that whole you never work a day in your life if you find something you love. I don't agree unless you <laughs> happen to find a way to get paid to be like really impulsive and a Netflix binger or whatever, you know, because not I don't know, even Netflix binging gets old after a while. It's just I don't know. I just I don't buy that whole thing. I'm like, just show up for what you really want to do. <laughs> and it will still be work sometimes. But ideally, you can kind of make it work for you yeah i like the gym analogy because it's like um you just got to keep turning up it's that consistency intentionality are you doing things the same way Mm -hmm. now with your podcast as you did when you started or have you changed how you do different aspects of it over time well as a classic person who projects and preaches consistency. uh, I struggle with it very much. (laughs) Uh, The things that I do push on others are the things I really do not do as well in on my own terms. (laughs) And I find that to be the the case with that. But I also just, I get bored really easily and I struggle with routines in general. So I kind of love being a freelancer. I love being a gig worker. I love creating my own schedule. And that's why podcasting was so important to me because I was able to kind of do it on my own days you know like there's certain days I feel really creative so I want to write and then there's other days I feel really chatty so I want to record or whatever and sometimes those don't line up so it's nice to be like oh it's three in the morning and I have an idea so let's write an episode but it's also a little chaotic so 
I am working on creating more of a routine. Whereas in the beginning, I definitely had a very structured routine. And then I went a little haywire with, well, it's mine. I get to do whatever I want. Who cares that it's 2 a.m. on a Tuesday, you know? And I find myself (laughs) trying to find that balance again. The joy of being able to have a little bit of flexibility in my schedule, but also... (laughs) be consistent and a reasonable person with it so I don't overstep my own boundaries because I can get a little I don't want to say obsessive but you know addicted to working and you get in the zone and you kind of just zone out and I don't think that's a problematic thing to have I think it's a really important thing to have when you are a passionate person but it's also something you have to learn how to call or you will get burdened by it because I have been burnt out on a lot of things I love by not Mm. respecting my own boundaries you know yeah, absolutely. No, you do have to be careful. One thing that I've loved about the uh, the podcast, this podcast that I do, and this is the reason if people have a look, there's more of these episodes than there are of the episodes where it's just me, which you think, but that's strange, Jono, because you have to talk to mm-hmm. someone there longer. But the, the good thing about this podcast is once I chat you know, with someone like you about coming on the podcast, it, it's in my calendar then. And it's like I turn up to mm-hmm. it and uh, Jono's it sort of takes Jono's motivation um, or what I've been distracted with that week or day out of the question. I'm like, Oh, okay. I've got to, I've got to talk to Julie and do this podcast with Julie. So I think um, for those, particularly in a smaller context, if you can create, if you can create that sort of automated routine where you find a way, but that's Mm -hmm. apart from literally scheduling in someone else's calendar, I've always struggled to have things in my own calendar. I'm the worst at being like, do, do, do. okay, I've put that in my calendar. If there's no one else involved, then I'll just run over it if I'm really in the zone with something else. Yeah, yeah. I just did an episode on the importance of putting things in your calendar that are non-negotiables and I have always struggled too, but I have started putting in that. Like I'll literally, if I'm in a phase where I'm forgetting to eat lunch, I will literally schedule in blocks for lunch. But there are those days where I'm in the zone and I'm like, well, I'll get lunch a little later or whatever. It is so much easier to walk over your own boundaries than everyone else's, yeah. which is so strange and probably tells us something about our society and the way that our mental health works. But Well, it's it's funny. When I actually gave someone the advice recently. I was like, here's what might work. Get an executive assistant or an assistant, even if you're working with someone on the other side of the world and it's really... They're not doing many hours for you. But if they do this one thing for you where they are, think of them as your accountability partner where rather than necessarily organizing your whole life, you just know that you're catching up with them. Um, You know, oh, I've got that meeting coming up tomorrow. They're going to be, their job is to keep a list of the things that you say you're going to do and then ask you about it, even for a few hours a week. Yeah, that's great. I said to this leader, I said, I said, I, the funny thing is the way we work as humans is it doesn't matter that this person probably in terms of authority doesn't have any authority of you. There's this, um, there's this idea. They talk about it in this book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which I really love. And they talk about this idea of these accountability, uh, an accountability meeting routine for teams. And the idea is like once you sit around a table, if you can get someone if you're a leader of a team, if you can get people to verbalize what they're going to do and then next meeting, get them to verbalize what they did, like it's not rocket science, then we will even keep ourselves accountable because we hate 
breaking our own. Like we hate looking bad, which is so funny, but it's literally in a business book about how to run a team. And with this assistant, you're sort of doing that to yourself. It's like you're forcing, you're asking someone else to say, tell me what I said I'd do last time. So how did you go with this? Oh man, I didn't do that. And you'll be more likely to do it next time. Yeah. Um, It's so funny, but I think those sort of things are way underrated. It makes, it makes me think of the concept. I, cause I really do believe we've lost a sense of community in our society, even though we try to simulate them with virtual reality and things. I don't think we live as community based, even if you have a big family or a wonderful connection with friends, it's just different. And I really think we're craving that in so many ways, but there are these studies that even just eating a chocolate bar at the same time as a stranger in a room makes the chocolate bar taste better. (laughs) And I really do think it probably (laughs) has something to do with that. Like it's just the idea that someone else not even cares, but just happens to know that you're working on it feels better. It's like that. It's why people like, I think I'm going to go back to the, I don't work out enough to have this many gym analogies, but here we are. (laughs) I'm going to go back to like why people (laughs) like workout classes, you know, it's, you show up a little bit harder because it's not like everyone's watching how good you are in the class, but you know, and you know that, but you're still, you work out a little harder than you do watching YouTube in your own living room for some reason. And it really is. I think it is just that accountability. Like you said, I think that is so important. And like, even if it's a false, like placebo effect, you can kind of create it with yourself or with a friend or with, like you said, this accountant that isn't even as, relevant or important as you're kind of making it out to be but that's great i love that i think uh, i think we do underestimate like i'm a big fan of uh huberman lab have you discovered have you come across andrew huberman and his podcast huberman lab i know the name very well and i definitely have it on my list but i oh, i have not listened to any episodes so i'm, so I'm useless good. right now <laughs> is it, it is such a I'll check good it out. i'm gonna write it down yeah. Yeah, you'll love it. The reason um, the reason I love that podcast is he talks, he somehow makes neuroscience and neurobiology accessible, which is actually an, oh, an nice. incredible achievement when you think about it. He'll take something yeah. that I've never, like dopam- dopamine. I, I didn't even know what dopamine was. And I really was like, I knew it was a thing, but had no idea how it worked. He'll take something like that and, and actually explain in ways that you can understand about how it works and what i love about his podcast is we need to realize um (laughs) we need to realize that like stop stop trying to you know drive up the willpower to do something and then fail again it's like well actually let's stop and just look at like how am i wired like why is that not working and he really addresses those sort of things he talks about habits and one of the things he has an episode on habits that's one of my favorites that he's done um his work on sleep and light is also fascinating because it's about like how does your body um uh like how does light affect your body and sleeping and these sort of things that sounds like it might just be sciencey but the application is really like there's things you can go and do tomorrow to help you sleep better and stuff that's really cool yeah that's my jam Oh, you'll love it. You will love his podcast. Um, he talks about habits. And one thing he says about habits is like, we we need to, so like one simple thing, to give you an idea of the practical tips um, he gives. And I'm just really trying, if anyone knows Andrew Huberman, 
and can uh, help me get him on the podcast, that would be great because I'm just such a big fan. Uh, but he, he talks about this idea that um, one of the things that stops us with a habit is there's always the time that we don't want to do the thing that we're trying to create the habit around. Uh, so he talks about this idea of limbic friction, which once again, he's like, I know it's a, it's uh-huh. a sciencey word, but he I've unpacks, heard of this, he's basically yeah. like limbic friction is how much you do or don't want to do the thing that you're trying to do. So limbic friction for me right now to go cycling, uh, I love cycling, but right now my limbic friction is a bit high because for some reason I'm struggling. So he's basically like, how easily are you doing a habit? So for a lot of us, brushing our teeth will have low limbic friction but maybe going to the gym has really high limbic friction and so one thing he says about habits is habits is really about lowering the limbic friction how do you know if you've been successful well it's easier to go and do that thing um which is and the science so one thing he says sorry i wanted to just give one sort of practical thought from from that um episode he says when you when you're coming up with a habit visualization is um is incredible and we all naturally visualize so say with the gym like we're talking about yeah. the gym so much which is funny because i also haven't been in uh, in a long time uh so <laughs> which is just great i love it so uh, but with the gym we visualize i'm at the gym i'm working out i'm feeling or we maybe visualize okay after the gym i feel good about myself somewhere in our brain we see that and that helps us want to go to the gym he says uh-uh that's not how we work, what you need to do is you need to actually go backwards from that and say, yes, you're going to feel great after the gym, but it's going to suck when you're at the gym. And there's going to be the 15 minutes or half an hour beforehand where you get your things, you get in the car and go, that's going to suck too. So what you need to do is you actually need yeah, what you can do. <laughs> so you can actually visualize. So when you think normally we just think, and we don't do this intentionally, but we just think I'm going to feel great if I go to the gym. Okay, he says no, no, no. Actually, visualize if you want to if you want to re- reduce the limbic friction of a habit of going to the gym, then you need to visualize getting the willpower to stand up and go and get your gear, go and get changed, get in the car. Like you actually visualize the whole process, including the bits that really suck, and that becomes part of your visualization of how good it's going to be to go to the gym. And basically, what he's saying is. We wonder why we end up not doing things. It's because we hit the first hurdle of putting my my clothes on. And that's never been part of the picture in my brain. And so I get stuck. And so little things like that where he says, if you can actually change the visualization of a habit to include the bit beforehand that we always just, you know, happen to not think about until we hit it and then it stops us, suddenly that like it actually does things physically and chemically in your body around dopamine and around motivation that will help you do that habit. Like that to me is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy so you're saying this because I literally, tomorrow's episode, which will yeah. not be tomorrow's when this comes out, I'm sure. Um, but tomorrow's episode that I just recorded today was about that concept that if you are too optimistic in your visualizations, then it can make your mundane tasks of life feel really shoddy by comparison just naturally so you need to start making your fantasies either a little bit more realistic or just know that the fantasy itself is part of the joy you're feeling like the feelings you're seeking you can get that through your fantasy but that peace you're finding in like the the moment on the beach can be found right now while you're meditating on the train or whatever and trying not to be there whereas like 
you've also been on the beach and probably stressed about work, you know, and you've probably had peaceful <laughs> moments on the train. Like it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like the, the fantasy that you're trying to seek. You're not actually getting that from it, but it is, it's pretty much the same thing that visualization can be a blessing or a curse. But I never really thought yes. about the concept of like visualizing kind of the the no fun parts. I'm like, I'm not bringing the worries to my good fantasies. Yeah, no, those are from my bad right. fantasies. You know, that's and, that's for and you. That's for you'd right think before that bed. Would, <laughs> that would demotivate you. But the crazy thing is that once you factor that in, you're now ready to start. It's yeah. like, okay, when I start going for a run, suddenly I'm not I'm not out the door and I start running. I'm putting my shoes on. Now, when I factor that into like that actually changes the motivation and suddenly, and I think this is his point and he, people should listen to it because I'm uh, like, I'm the opposite of a neuroscientist. Like I have no idea. So I'm just trying to explain <laughs> uh, his amazing, you know, two hour sort of, he goes into all this depth, but he, it's like, it seems like what happens is that you actually then the putting on your shoes bit has a motivation attached to it, just like, the after the right. run good feeling does. So you're attaching the motivation to the whole task, which, um, and the whole point, it helps you, it helps you get motivated to do it. And um, it's funny you talk about what you, like what you've just recorded. That's so cool uh, because there's a great book uh, by, I don't know, let me just quickly do a cheeky Google while I'm chatting to you, but um, Dopamine Nation. Have you heard of that book that's come out in the past okay. year or I two have years? Not. The reason I, I'm I'm surprised is because you've just unpacked, like you've just explained what that book talks about in your podcast. Um, oh, really? But once again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally the science behind. Um, so Dopamine Nation uh, is Dopamine Nation Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence by Anna Lemke. And she was a... Oh, I'm going to uh, have was, to read this. Oh, you're going to love it. She was a... Um, guest on the human lab show as well so if you listen to that you get both of them in one um but she basically talks about nice. dopamine as um basically saying the problem with dopamine is that there's like this seesaw of pleasure and pain and chemically when we jump on the pleasure part of it which is what like our whole everything's built around even you know social media the dopamine hits from a like and all these things you jump on the seesaw or the pleasure side of the seesaw and your body goes oh we need to balance this out so it actually it actually introduces its own sort of pain on the other side to even it out and she explains how this works chemically but the idea huh. is that we think when i lean more and more into all this pleasure stuff then life will be better and it actually has the opposite effect where your baseline goes lower and you're unable to enjoy anything. And the extreme example of this is addiction where people who become very addicted, they start out just, you know, um, you know, doing, doing drugs to cope with something, but then suddenly nothing in life feels good anymore. And it actually makes mm -hmm. everything planned. And so the cool, the cool thing about this book is yeah. she's basically saying, Hey, the same thing about drugs is that same chemical that we'd all go, oh, that's so obvious that you would you would then, you know, struggle with X, yeah. Y, or Z because you're now, it's changed how you view it. That applies to uh, dopamine huh. in everyday life. And what can we do? We can control how we access dopamine by looking at, and, and by looking right. at ourselves and our habits. And once you understand how it works, and so her sort of ideas in the book about what we can do about that I really like what you've described in the podcast. So she says, 
the big sort of takeaway from the from the book, the big sort of spoiler is that you can either um, abstain. So if you choose, so if you realize I'm, I'm actually addicted to social media because it's giving me these dopamine hits. Well, if it's a bit of a, almost an, an addiction to it, then you will experience some withdrawals. And if you can go 30 days without doing that thing, then after 30 days, you'll find that other things that you were naturally not enjoying because your baseline was too low, you start in, enjoying them. Or it's like how you don't eat sugar yeah. and then suddenly you can enjoy broccoli again. And and so the other point is to... Uh, and then the sugar starts says, to not be as attractive too. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. And that applies to all of life. And yet I think sometimes in other areas, mm-hmm. like you said, we think just bring on the sugar, right? Because it's going to make me feel great. It's actually like, no, it won't. It will actually make you feel worse in some ways you want to oh she talks about introducing pain um and i can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly how she unpacks that because but she's basically like there's a healthy uh so oh so intermittent fasting um exercise why are these things good for our dopamine levels because by pushing ourselves so say with exercise and actually um or intermittent fasting feeling hungry rather than just going in and eating that donut which you know hand up I, i'm a massive crispy creams fan you know you just end right. up <laughs> actually balancing things out and um and and you feel better whereas we sort of know yeah exercise is good but with dopamine she unpacks why exercise can make you feel better in life because it's like it's one way of introducing pain to balance out that pleasure so your baseline lifts so you can enjoy more things yeah, that's why you get like the runner's high because you're so down and in pain from running. And then you start to be like, all right, my body's releasing all this dopamine to make it better. That's so fascinating. Yes. I am definitely going to buy that book. Uh, I apologize to anyone who knows this stuff really well and has heard my attempt at unpacking it because I have <laughs> no claim. But the um, I think I think it's really applicable. No, we love, and, a, we love um, a layman attempt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm happy to um, to definitely call myself a layman attempt when it comes to the neuroscience <laughs> of uh, of dopamine and human lab. Um, what else? What else are you like? You obviously do these these episodes, um, and different things are you know received really well. What what are the aha moments you've had from doing your podcast, where you've done an episode on something, or you've read about something, and for you, it's been like a mind blown sort of revelation. Hmm. I'm sure there's been quite a few. I do daily episodes and we're on day 400 at this point. It's been a serious journey. So I'm sure there's been specific ones, but the ones that I'm really thinking of are because it had to be consistent. I think it's showing up and asking questions later and kind of rectifying things in post is a really good strategy just for life and for leaders in general. I think obviously going in with the best intentions and and all of the tools that you have available for sure. I'm not saying just like throw spaghetti at the wall, but I do think knowing what you know is only going to improve by actually like playing with fire. I think there's this idea that learning is best done in a classroom or whatever, but we all know that most of us learn best by actually doing the task ourselves and making the mistakes ourselves, and not just hearing about other people's mistakes. And while it may be beneficial to know those fears, we still might make them anyway, because it's different when you're up there. 
But I also think it's like when you show up every day consistently, that's when you find your groove and like the things, the the loopholes you can cut or the things that actually make you happy in it or the way that you can have these aha moments more regularly because it's through teaching. And I really do find that teaching specifically is the best way to learn something like yes hands-on experience is the best generally but if you can actually teach someone else how to do it through hands-on experience that is the way that it'll like really stick with you and that's why I think there are perks to being an educator or a leader of any kind (laughs) because you do kind of get double down on the information and you get to kind of absorb it which makes you a little more wise in the long run and everybody's kind of seeking that, but it's only because of the experience you're ha- you have the trial by fire, you know, and you're there yes. and you're showing up and you are in the gym getting the muscle gains from all of the negative parts. You're feeling the pain of the mistakes. But I think those painful mistakes are just like we were going back to with the dopamination book. That pain from those mm. mistakes are how you stop making them. It's how you learn you know, it's how you learn that to one, appreciate the good when things are smooth sailing but also know how to rectify better and self-correct and get faster and also just not take them so personally or seriously. Like you just realize, oh, mistakes are a given, but that's not failing until I actually stop or let that mistake get me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so good. I I love what you said about um, teaching because one of my favorite topics is delegation. I chat a lot about um, leaders, managers who want to get things off their plates and people always I need ask, it. How- I'm going to listen to every one of those. <laughs> I'm terrible people with delegation. Say- <laughs> well, people always say, how can I, like, how do I really train up leaders? And um, there's mm-hmm. uh, actually, I'm going to be releasing a book in the next couple of years. Uh, the working title is Replace Yourself. And it's about the, it's about really how to empower and, and, and delegate. And there's one yes, sort of that. key there's one key part of it that is, I feel like makes it exponential because there's all these things you can do. And a lot of what I share isn't rocket science about, you know, making, starting people watching you, you know, how to do something before you necessarily hand it over to them. And, and there's lots of that stuff that people know. The key, which is why I bring it back to what you just shared is if you want to invest and you want to raise great leaders, you want to delegate, you want to create a team where people are better than you. I would, you know, one of the recent things I've been saying is you, as a leader, you want to be the dumbest person in the room. You want to create such smart, you want to hire like <laughs> the best people and invest in them to where you look around and go, yeah. wow, I am probably the dumbest person in this room, uh, which really challenges our like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, I guess ego and, and those sort of things. But um, the key thing to do is that as soon as someone starts taking something off your plate and really running with it, our natural thing we'll do is go, is go, ah, phew, okay, great. Whereas the mm-hmm. secret is at that point, which is this is always easier in bigger organizations, it takes even more intentionality in smaller organizations. That is the point where what you want to do is you want to say to that person, okay, now, you're, now you've got it. Now you don't need me holding your hand. I'm just here to help when you need now is the time i want you to go and find your replace yourself so that's the whole um x squared you know because the point is as soon as they are starting to train someone else you have exponential increase in the whole process so that's the secret because one it forces you to look two layers deep and say okay who's going to be doing this next two it means that person that you've been training up 
now goes to another level because they're not just going, great, I can do this. Now they're having to teach it to someone, which you just articulated. Like that's mm-hmm. how we learn best. Suddenly I'm like, oh my goodness, how do I do that? That's a really good question. And uh, and the third thing is that is this is really how you multiply delegation and empowerment in organizations. And I tend to believe that if big organizations embrace this sort of idea through their whole organizations, you would just have so much, you create this new these new problems, which is a great series of problems. We have too many amazing leaders coming through and you don't have enough roles for them because they've all been um, learning, training, stepping up. And suddenly that's the best problem. Um, Whereas, uh, so yeah, that's that's like what you just unpacked is a secret weapon of this area of delegation and, and empowerment. And you solve my biggest pet peeve with capitalism as it is now, which is a lot of the leaders in organizations that are bigger have never actually done any of the jobs that they're making rules for. So the poor people at the bottom really do struggle in these huge corporations to like make it work because they've designed it for most cost effective or what they think look good or whatever. And then as a consumer also, like they've never had to be a consumer in their own place. Like I went to some theme parks recently because I'm back visiting some family in Florida and I was so frustrated with the lack of, um certain touches where i'm like you're charging us a lot of money for this experience but there are things that y'all did not think of and if you had just a decent manager who had ever walked through and my friend was laughing she's like well if you think about it the people who own this place never had to wait in a line before they never had to you know like they probably come with their family but they rent it out you know it's their place and i and i it really yeah. is one of those most fascinating things but your solution to that is such a powerful thing because everyone has gone through the the ranks and like knows how to solve the problem yeah. before it it's like the good side of a pyramid scheme you did a great job <laughs> <laughs> i like that the good side of a pyramid scheme the ultimate example of this which is what i'd say for anyone who wants to get better at communication i don't know if you've found this with a podcast but Rule 101, you want to get better at communication or presenting, watch yourself, listen to yourself. And it's uh, it's a nightmare. I can't stand watching myself present when the I worst. record myself and listening to myself <laughs> on the podcast. But it's actually the best way to get better. Why? Because you're putting yourself you're putting yourself in the line you're like you're forcing yourself to go and line up for the slide yes because it's like oh my goodness yes. this is what it's like to listen to john there's no avoiding um, it yes mm-hmm. and that's the thing if you want to grow in that area so i think that's a great point that's that's like uh i once again any organization that has communication or presentations um I'm like, okay, easiest thing anyone can do or anyone out there listening who wants to get better, film yourself do some, uh, doing something or record yourself doing something and then force yourself to listen or watch, automatically you'll get better. Yes. Uh, because we yes. go, oh, it is, And it like, is painful. Um, it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's so painful. <laughs> uh, so, but it's funny you mentioned the rides at the, because that's a big thing leaders who come on here and, and chat about, they say, okay you got to put yourself in the park, you know, using that analogy, you got to go in the park and line up yeah. with the people and watch and, and actually not even yeah. watch it's, they say, you can't just watch, you have to go and walk in their shoes and go, yeah, live it. Oh, wow. Why is that like that? That's so annoying. Why don't we have any shade here? Why are people getting so sunburnt waiting right. in this section of the line for no point when we could, you know, spend a tiny amount of our, <laughs> our budget to put some shade up so that people will, Totally. will not get sunburned for this right like it's it's little things 
that build up and then someone goes to the theme park in three years time and goes this is awesome yeah consumers notice and your your employees notice and your results go up and your general profits go up when people notice that you care and you've been there and i really do think the general public will settle and so i think a lot of people get motivated by that but don't you want everyone to be happy with your services don't you want your legacy or whatever you're doing it for your money your finances to be coming from a place where people and your patrons and your clients and your employees and you are happy like a symbiotic situation is the dream right like where everyone's benefiting you're taking home your check but so is everyone else like we're all happy and no one's complaining at the end of the day it saves so much stress i just really it seems like such a simple solution but it's so distant from what our reality is but it doesn't have to be if you really do just step into the like you said you walk the line i love that yeah and people will you know i really believe chatting with lots of great leaders that the organizations that aren't doing this they will fade away they will it doesn't matter now until it does and suddenly it'll hit a tipping point and because there are leaders who are walking the line and they're that i find that so encouraging because i'm like you know what there are I really believe there are going to be more and more of these organizations. Look at look at um, hiring, people finding and keeping great talent. It's probably top three issues I chat about with leaders. And I'm like, well, take the the ideas we just talked about around empowering people. Yes. People are like, oh, I just really want to invest in my leaders and, and just find a, what's a great course I can send them to? It's like, well, compare that to an organization that embraces this idea of, where like a culture of empowering people giving them opportunities getting them to train others where are people going to want to work they're they're going to want to go to a place where they know Mm -hmm. we are all about like legitimately not just about sending you off to do the occasional thing we want you to come here and become a better human and just grow 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 from coming and working here not in like a burnout and for the sake of the company's bottom line but authentically in a way that you're really passionate about. I think that's, yeah. And as, as people can nail that people are going to go and work for that company, not for the others. Totally. Yeah. It, it definitely creates that longevity. And then when the people who do leave for better things, you'll be one happy for them because they're doing what's best for them. But also you realize it is more of a family and a community. So it won't be difficult to refill those positions and they won't be afraid to refer someone else. You know, they're not leaving on bad terms and it's not um, yeah, resentful or whatever. Yeah, it really does make such a big difference. And all it is is that trickle down theory that you've done, that you've established. Or I, I really do love the idea of replacing yourself too. I need help with delegation. So I'll be first on the book list when that comes yeah. out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it is, um, you know, it's challenging. I find it hard to do myself, which is funny. And that's, um, but that's where the book came from because I was like, okay, that's it. Right. I need, I need to stop either handing things to people. And then I realize I just crushed someone with a boulder and I'm like, I am so sorry. Or I'm (laughs) like, okay, I won't hand it to anyone. And suddenly I look up and I've got 10 boulders on my shoulders and I'm like, well, this is now crushing me. And I was like, there doesn't seem to be any good way to do anything in between. I feel like I either crush others or crush me. (laughs) And uh, that's, yeah, it's true. It's like, I'm doing it twice. Yeah, it's so true. Delegation feels like I'm doing it twice. And I know there are better ways, but you're right. That's great. I love this. I'm excited for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I want to ask you something I think leaders would love to hear from you because you have a wonderful community around your podcast and you must hear from people who your episodes have really um, helped and, and challenged. And I know mm-hmm. leaders, like, let's just, like, just what we were saying, there are so many leaders who would be listening and going, hmm, I need to walk, I need to walk in that line. I need to get out of my up, like, get out of my air-conditioned office where I'm looking down at the people and going, everyone's enjoying it, and actually go down into the theme park. What are you hearing? Like, what are people's, what's resonating? I know you'd have lots of different, like, demographics who'd be listening but generally what are the themes that people are really wrestling with the most or finding most helpful from your content Julie I do find it intriguing because I try to do mostly general advice and actionable things that could apply to most situations whether you're living in certain societies or not and I do have kind of a broad demographic as far as where people are listening from and so it is fairly interesting to hear how much people resonate with their insecurities about other people's thoughts on them. Like I I get a lot of feedback from those episodes, particularly there's one I got, it's nobody's mad at you. It's this concept that if people are mad at you, they're going to tell you typically if they're mature and emotionally responsible people they will inform you when they're upset or you'll know naturally so stop like going to bed and worrying if you messed up that conversation or if it was awkward and that one resonated with just so many different types of people that it kind of made me laugh (laughs) because we are all so in our heads about it just cracked me up because it felt like something that it was just like and maybe i'm like an insecure kid you know because I used to be worse and you get better as you get older because you stop taking things so personally. But (laughs) I really did realize like we're all kind of just so the same when it comes to, oh, I was so awkward in that conversation or it felt so weird or it's just very silly. And it we all do it. And it's a natural thing that us humans do. And it was really kind of reaffirming, but it was pretty impressive. But I really do have such a broad variety of topics that my feedback comes from different types Mm. of people for different types of things which fascinates me like the type of people who will reach out for like when I say type of people I mean like what kind of careers and age groups and that sort of thing like will reach out to me for certain ones that have to do with boundaries with your job like I get a lot of educators that are like I cannot put my work down you know (laughs) and I get a lot of like therapists who are like struggling with the more um, personal boundaries with friends and relationships in their own lives. And it's just, it's fascinating to see the trends among that type of thing, but I do try to make it more general so it can apply to everybody. So it's, it's been really interesting, the feedback, but that one particularly always fascinated me that we're all kind of up at Mm. night worrying how awkward we were at the Costco line because we waited too long or whatever it may be. That's so funny. You know, I, I love saying to people, which is kind of my analogy, I'm usually talking to people about marketing uh, when it comes to leaders or entrepreneurs, and I'm talking to them about marketing, and they have that they have that concern, right? But it's about their marketing. They're like, oh, I just, you know, I really, really don't want to, um, you know, if I do that, that image with that sort of caption, or if I do these stories, I just really want it to be a high quality. I want it like, and, and it comes down to they're really... Mm-hmm they've got this real worry about what people think. And so it's a similar thing, but I, I love to say to people, I love to say, okay, stop. This is how people like, you know, that post last week that you took two hours to do 
um, that story, unpacking <laughs> that thing that you really you recorded five times and ummed and art over and, um, uh, you know, <laughs> you put three filters on before you were happy. I said, this is how the average person who's on your feed, this is what they saw. And then I just like hold up my phone and I just swipe. <laughs> Uh you gotta like and i feel like that's life a bit right it's like we worry so much and then for most people most of the time it's one like it's one swipe that's all it is and to us it's everything Mm -hmm. and And, um and the people who are nitpicking typically yeah it's true i was gonna say and the people who are nitpicking at your photos and like staring at it and calling you out because you had a pile of laundry in the background those people aren't always your people like i don't know any of my close friends who would care and so if they are they're not those you know like i feel like if you are a famous person you do have people staring and analyzing and checking everything so you do need to spend three hours but also who cares like the people who are calling you out for an ugly something are just jealous weirdos anyway. So I just don't really, I think it's funny that we're all so subjected to it. And we really, I do it too, for sure. But it is, it's, I get in my head and I'm like, why? I don't care what that guy thinks anyway. I don't want everyone to love me, you know? And the people who do, yes. it's the Dr. Seuss quote. It's the people who matter won't mind and the people who mind won't matter or something like that. Yes. I think I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people, the people, people who mind don't matter and the people who matter won't mind yeah yeah anyway yeah i i love it that's such a good quote mm-hmm. <laughs> um i think uh it's funny you mentioned that as well because it's i don't know about you but i i really have found it's true that i will uh you know i'll have a hundred people anecdotally in conversation say things are helpful and yes. one person picks something apart and then that's what's on your mind mm-hmm. you know and i've literally had to stop myself and be like it's not that that person's <laughs> thought isn't valid. It's just that it's certainly, it isn't valid to receive this much thought. Like it's, it's so funny right. how we honestly give it w- so much more weight than the positive reinforcement. And yeah. And something that annoys me about negativity is we kind of look at it as this deep thing. And to me, it's less deep. It's a little easy. Like the world is a scary, dark place. And we do have things we can be negative about. And our natural disposition of the human brain is to be stressed and kind of negative for most people, not necessarily negative generally, but you know, like it's, it's to be, you know, pretty critical of things because that's for survival. So I think negative is this thing that we think of as kind of deep and philosophical when in my head I'm like no if you can be positive in this world and you can fight the natural tendencies of your brain with hope and joy and persistence and a little bit of compassion like I think those are the brilliant people but you kind of look ditzy in this world it's one of those like commonly considered ignorant things that are actually really smart you know like I don't know (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. No, you're right. It is. And so much of it is counterintuitive. And it's easy to say, but, uh, you know, I think one of the things that for me that that um, that definitely helps is when you're weighing up some of these things. It's definitely something I hear from a lot of leaders when you're when you when you lead something and suddenly you have, uh, you know, uh, some people, dozens of people, hundreds of people, and, you know, leaders who have thousands of people they're leading then at some point or say for a celebrity maybe as well you know where you start making enough noise there will be Mm -hmm. someone out there who authentically hates you 
And I feel like right. that's the point where you go, oh, okay. Well, firstly, this isn't like um, the end of the world. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. And maybe mm-hmm. all those other people that I thought hated me, well, they're not like this person. This person really does. And mm-hmm. maybe it's for a reason because I dropped the ball somewhere and I made a big mistake or maybe it's completely uh, invalid. Yeah. But it, it helps put into perspective that all those other people that we've worried about probably didn't care as much as we thought. And we certainly shouldn't have given it as much yeah. as we did. At the beginning of my series in Make Your Damn Bed, I did one episode that was that you will be the villain in somebody's story regardless of what you do. And it's okay. Sometimes you're a side character. Sometimes you're the main. In your story, you're your main character, obviously, and you should want to write your best story for you. But you're also the producer and the casting director and everything else. You kind of need to take control of all those things. But in other people's stories, sometimes you will be the villain. You might have let the door go too early. It might be petty things. You maybe cut somebody off in traffic and someone might genuinely think you're a jerk and miscommunications happen. Like I've met people that I just don't jive with and I don't know why I try so hard, but we're just so awkward together. And like for real, like we just don't. And I know they're like, I can I can hear the way my voice sounds with them. And I'm like, that's not what I meant, but I can hear the way they're interpreting it. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm the bad guy today, you know, and you just have to kind of know that that's okay. (laughs) As long as you're not intentionally being a bad guy and you're following your, I think that's why it's so important to know what your baseline is. Like if you know who you are inherently, what is your alignment? What is, what makes you happy and feel the most authentic? And so you can walk in alignment with what you know, so you never get swayed by, well, wait, did I mess up? Because if you do make an honest mistake, that will happen too. But that one, you know, and you're going to regret and you're going to feel guilty for anyway. You don't really need other people calling you out. Typically, if you make a mistake, it doesn't help. But I, I think on the, on the context of thinking that you've walked yourself into a corner, I really can get swayed more easily if I don't know what matters to me so that's why i think knowing what your vision is for your business or for your life is so important so you don't get swayed by these randos opinions even if they're right in their own perspective because they might be yeah and and i heard something recently i can't remember who said it but it really resonated with me around this which is don't don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from and i think yes that's, that's such a good quote right it's like you know what, you're going to get criticized. If it's someone that you would go to for advice, if they're giving you criticism, listen. And you want to have people in your life that are doing that. Like that's, um, you know, for leaders and entrepreneurs, 360 degree feedback, amazing. Horrible to be the one getting it. Really hard, yeah. but really good because uh, really hard. <laughs> when it comes to people criticizing you, go out and find, uh, go out, go and look at that criticism and say, okay, would I seek this person out for advice? If not, probably not worth entertaining the criticism yeah it reminds me of it's Brene Brown's thing where she's like if they're not in the arena I don't even listen to them for criticism like if they've never fought then I don't want to hear from them like necessarily and she's like I'll absolutely take feedback but their their opinion is less relevant because you really don't understand and you don't know but I will say on the side of don't take advice or criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from I have met some very, really solid people who give incredible advice, who are very experienced, and they're hypercritical, though. So also recognize who you're taking criticism from, even if it's respected criticism, you know, like, 
there are some yeah. people who are going to be nitpicky about the details and maybe you're more of a general outlook guy or maybe you are yes. a detail person and they're more of a general outlook and i think that those things are important and it's great to get well-rounded feedback like you said 360 is crucial but also stay aligned with what you know and who you are and branch out of your comfort zones when you need it and your business can benefit but also don't necessarily yeah, I think it is that concept where we linger so hard on feedback that we need like a hundred good comments to negate the one. <laughs> and yeah. if that's you, so if you're if you're like ignore all criticism and don't listen to any of it, maybe you can lean in a little harder. But for the rest of us who are constantly like oh, just dwelling on the one bad remark, yeah, step step back a minute, you know, <laughs> like I think you'll be okay. <laughs> I love this Chinese proverb. Um, it is. It says, the person who says it cannot be done should not interrupt the person who is doing it. Uh, yes, I do love that one. I've heard that one before. It's such it's a like powerful quote. It's like the Brene. It's just another so way of saying the Brene Brown one. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you're doing it. You know, you're doing the podcast and I'm sure there are people like, I, I'm also a big fan of the idea, say in marketing um, and, and content that, you're going to be polarizing. Like you're not going to make everyone happy and you need to embrace that because like you said, you need to know what you stand for, who you are, and then embrace the fact that you're going to polarize people. Um, <laughs> but there are certainly a lot of people who uh, are, uh, who will criticize the one doing it, but aren't necessarily doing it themselves. They're not in the arena. I love yeah. that. And, and also, I think more than that, if you go into things not taking it personally and knowing that people are nuanced, that will help because it has nothing to do like people are so varied. You don't one want everyone to like you. There are bad people out there that you probably don't want to align with your values and your vision. Right. And then there are also I mean, ideally, you can sway them to the good side or whatever if you want to talk about. But hear me out. OK, I'm, I'm going to stick with this tangent. You have those people who are more on the spectrum, but then you have people who may align with you perfectly and they are your people. But I know personally, as a podcast listener, I go through phases. Sometimes I'm on a jazz kick and I don't want to listen to podcasts. So I don't. And it has nothing to do with me not liking you anymore. I'll come back to you. That's okay too. So recognizing that people in general, even if you're not the villain or the bad guy, they might just not be in the mood for you right now. And that's okay too. It's not personal. It's not a bad thing. Just stay consistent. And ideally you will have a permanent clientele or permanently, um, excuse me, a permanent listenership to, Mm. to come back to and return to you as forever fans rather than creating some, oh, I need them to love me and I need to be the only thing on their mind. And I think that that's kind of what we've all become. We want to be the next viral sensation, but those are usually one hit wonders and they don't last. I would rather be something that people can come back to as a resource forever. Yeah, I agree. No, uh, someone said uh, a great uh, quote that I can't remember where they got it from. Might've been from his granddad uh, recently on the podcast. And it was this idea. Oh, no, no, that's right. Sorry. He was saying, I can't remember who it was who said it, but they said that there was someone in a team meeting who said this phrase when they were sort of asking them a question and they were like, whoa, that's great. And the phrase is grinders win. And I was like, yes, that's yeah. so true. It's like, don't don't go for that one hit wonder viral sensation. Just find your, find your thing and then just, just like 
accept the grind. Like it's going to be a grind. There are going to be, you know, there's going to be days that you don't want to do it. There's going to be days that you don't do it. Pick yourself back up and get back Mm -hmm. on the grind. And if you do that for long enough, then, and particularly like you're doing and like anyone out there who feels really passionate about something and helping other people and making a difference in people's lives, if you will grind long enough, Another one of my favorite quotes is that um, you'll do less, you'll achieve less in one year than you expected and more in 10 years than you ever dreamed. And I think mm. you, you know, in one in one year, it's easy to look at it and go, ah, you know, <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you know from the start, that's probably going to be the case and you accept that you're going to have to do the, the you know, you're really going to have to grind at it. And you, and you believe that if you go at that long enough that after 10 years it will be um, – that then you do see some fruit that you never thought was possible. Yeah. And I think it's important too to have those reasonable expectations about it but also recognize that that grind can be smaller. Like I, I've never really understood – when I, I pursued comedy for a little while and I never understood why – we all got sold on the dream of being a household name where to me, I met so many of my friends who were like, I'm not successful. I'm not successful. And I'm like, you're making this much money, which is this much this. And you're performing at these cool places just because you haven't filmed your Netflix special does not mean you're not successful. And I really had to like re inform a lot of my comedy friends on where their spectrum of success was because I'm like, what do you consider successful? And I'm like, do you think that your sister-in-law who is a teacher making the exact same amount as you, but miserable in her job is more successful than you? Then, yeah. you know, weigh it out. But you can carve your niche out. Like if you have your, like say you're a hairdresser, you're not going to be a hairdresser for everybody. That's not humanly possible. Carve out your niche in your neighborhood and your community <laughs> so you have your That's consistent true. clients to come back to you, you know, like be realistic with your vision and what you want from it and make it something that either has those long-term vibes that people can just return to. It has the infinite, like a podcast is lovely because I can just leave it out there and hopefully one day someone will stumble upon it and come back to it, you know, that will resonate with it and that will be something meaningful for them. But I love that I don't have to worry about it after it's out there but other types of jobs and careers like service jobs, you will still consistently find your people out there. So there's always going to be more clients to be found, which is great. But also grinding can just be a smaller market. Like it reframe what you think success is, is basically what I'm saying. Like make it more reasonable and um, not as dream filled as we've all been sold on the fake American dream or whatever it may be. Maybe you may have an Aussie dream, but (laughs) yeah, no, it comes back to that dopamine nation, doesn't it? It's like, if we can just understand how it works and and what does it look like to enjoy life today in the comedy club you're performing at now with the only so many people were earning this much money. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so much we can do instead of trying to do 50 things to get to this destination, find um, a way to enjoy what you're doing now and enjoy your life more now and um, reframing success. I love that. Such a good thought. 
Well, it has been so much fun catching up with you. I would love to invite you back for another episode down the track, Julie. Perhaps we can do sort of like a uh, down the track, do a bit of a review on, okay, where are things at now? What are people loving? Uh, you know, maybe maybe even get you to share with our leaders some of your um, some of your content that people have been saying, you know, in the next few months has been most helpful. So this has just been so, so much fun uh, that I would love to invite you back for another time. Um, and uh, I didn't get to ask you the Leadership Express questions, which I'd love to ask you another time as well. Uh, but yeah. to, to finish, where can people find you? And can you just tell us again about your podcast so people can connect with you and, and, and listen to that? Absolutely. You can find me at MYDB Make Your Damn Bed Podcast. Uh, you can do www.makeyourdamnbedpodcast.com or at mydb podcast on instagram i don't think i have my twitter connected anymore i'm not very passionate about that one i guess but uh <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna see maybe on the next leadership when i'll have that one intact but you can either sign up for the newsletter i do a monthly it's also a daily podcast so you can really find it most places that you listen like apple or google or pod stitcher and all those um it's make your damn bed podcast it's every morning, five to seven minutes, low commitment. So if it's not your vibe, that's great. But you can also kind of start anywhere if there's an episode that sounds like a title that intrigues you. I usually explain what I'm talking about in the description box. There's always that if you're kind of a prejudge person, but otherwise feel free to start at the beginning anywhere. You can start at the most current. There's no wrong way to do it, but I'd love to have you. And I would love to come back on the episode anytime. Maybe I'll do it a little earlier next time. So I'm not so mumble jumbled with my words. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing great. What time is it where you are? Um, it is 11.44 p.m. Wow. You get a gold star. It's nearly midnight. Awake at that hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and make sure you go and check out the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Uh, because as you would have experienced from today, Julie has such great, uh, so many great thoughts around life, which I think apply for leadership um, in so many ways as well. Uh, don't forget for our leaders, we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Julie for being uh, up so late and uh, for just having such a great <laughs> chat. The time really did fly. It was just um, wonderful to talk about all these things that I'm so passionate about with someone else who is uh, equally passionate about these topics. So I just had... Uh, such a great time having you on the podcast. Thanks for being so so generous and coming on. As did I. I really, really, truly enjoyed it. I know I didn't realize it was this late until I looked up. That was amazing. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to be back and check out all the content that you've given me. I've got homework now. <laughs> yeah, love it. I'll uh, well, everyone, uh, if you're listening down the track, go and look for the second episode because uh, we're definitely going to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. You have a wonderful rest of your day, Jono. I'll talk to you later. Well, 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process 
that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.